You're listening to Discovering Multifamily, where we discuss all educational topics in commercial real estate with an emphasis on multifamily apartment investing via syndication. And now your hosts, former NFL fullback Brian Leonard and Anthony Scandariato. Hi, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of the Discovering Multifamily Podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Anthony Scandariato with Red Knight Properties. And today we have a special guest here with us, Lior Rodansky. And he is the founder and president of Floral Capital, which is a multifamily investment firm. He has, he looks young, but he's got years of experience in the multifamily investment space. He bought his first property at 23 years old. And since then, he's built up a pretty large multifamily portfolio with about $30 million in assets under management in the Boston metropolitan area through different types of partnerships with different capital partners. And uh, along with multifamily investing, Lior has experience in the real estate brokerage space and runs a top team in the Boston area. And uh, he's a Brandeis University graduate and really excited to have him here on the show. We, I definitely want to hear how he gets started and um, you know, what he's working on now is he is syndicating and we talk a lot about syndicating on this podcast, basically combining financial resources to acquire larger assets that you couldn't otherwise buy by yourself um, to invest together as a group um, or invest with other individuals, you know, a couple of individuals. Uh, so we want to learn how Lior is able to do that. Uh, as many of you who are listening, uh, Boston is considered a gateway market and always has been. Um, and, you know, very high price per door market and very interested to hear how Lior is making his deals work and uh, what types of deals he's focused on. And yeah, so definitely happy to have you. And uh, how did you get started at 23? What was the first property you bought? Awesome. Uh, yeah, no, thanks uh, for having me on the show. Excited to be here. Um, yeah, and, and I can, uh, before I talk about the first one, I can just kind of rewind it. So give it a little bit more context. Um, so for me, it was kind of a, you know, very classic immigrant story. We, uh, we moved here to the U.S. Um, I moved here from Israel early on. And, you know, it was my parents' dream uh, for me to be a doctor, right? So, like, like so many immigrants. Um, so that's kind of the path I took down through college. Um, it was a pre-med, ended up taking a gap, uh, gap year job as a management consultant um, while I was applying to med schools. And that's kind of where I started my wealth building journey. And, uh, you know, did a lot of research try to figure out where I was going to make my, uh, you know, kind of put bread on the table, tried, uh, you know, tried stocks, made a couple bucks here and there. Um, but, you know, it didn't really stick to me, right? I knew I wasn't going to be pretty quickly. I figured out I wasn't going to be the next Warren Buffett. Um, so I actually very randomly had a couple of friends that were in the construction industry. They were talking about buying um, a property. And, you know, I, it, it kind of penciled out to me, right? It kind of at a very high level made sense to me. You buy something you get debt on it, you you know, the rent should cover the mortgage bare minimum, right? And what's your worst case scenario, you break even, right? It, it didn't sound too bad. Um, so that's, that's kind of the rationale I had when I was going to buy my first one. Um, you know, the one thing I did understand, though, and I was very excited to invest in Boston, because, you know, I, I, I wanted to invest in a, in a market in a growing market, right? That was like my big thing. Um, so I did a lot of research about the different neighborhoods around Boston, Understood that at my first purchase, I wasn't going to go right into downtown and, you know, grab some class A property. Um, but I did research, was able to figure out growing segments. And um, yeah, that's how I ended up buying my first one. Chose a, a market within 10 minutes of downtown um, that has experienced tremendous growth over the last five years, six years since I bought that first one um, and kind of took it off from there. 
That's awesome. And so how did you get into that first property? Did you acquire it by yourself? Did you have a team built up? What, how many units was it? How did you learn, you know, how to acquire the asset, how to run it? Do you still own it? Talk to us about that first deal. Yeah, I'll be honest. It wasn't like a super sophisticated operation back then. Um, it was just me. Um, I got through it on an owner-occupant loan. Um, you know, I had I had a couple of dollars saved up from half a year to a year of working in corporate um, and basically put all my money right in there. Um, but yeah, since then, I, I still own that property and I, and I own a lot of other ones in that particular city. Um, that city, like I said, has experienced tremendous growth. They built a casino there. Wynn came in and built something. They're building some major... Um, com uh, commercial development there. So still very, very high on that area. Excellent. Okay. So you bought the first property, owner occupant, low down payment type of loan, I'm assuming. And uh, so what was the next one? And how did you get to where you are today with $30 million in the management? Yeah. So from there, I kind of thought I was a genius and uh, stepped into the development game, right? Like you couldn't mess it up. Um, very quickly learned that was not the case and that development is a very much different game than just going in and buying an existing product. Um, so we basically took down, um, I partnered with a developer that had a lot of experience in the marketplace. And um, basically we did two condo projects in a neighborhood in Boston. Um, I learned a lot. Um, but what I also realized was, you know, my whole my whole point of investing was to create wealth outside of my earned income, right? And create additional cash flow, um, build up more equity. And essentially what I was realizing was I was trading in more time for more money, right? And that was the big thing that really stuck out to me. Um, outside of, of course, all the lessons I learned about construction management, um, you know, working with contractors, lenders, um, etc. So, um, once I kind of got out of those projects, I quickly pivoted to multifamily. Um, so I ended up actually partnering with my broker at the time. I got licensed just to learn the market and ended up partnering with him. And we started buying a lot of product. Um, you know, in the first three to four years, we really focused, I would say, on kind of growing and changing areas around Boston. I would call them today maybe like class C, lower class B type of markets. Um, still very high on them because they're still changing every single day. Um, but, you know, they weren't necessarily the prime markets uh, of the city. Um, but, you know, it, we, that was a strategy we took on. Uh, we decided we really learned the market, really understood it. Um, and we were able to scale out pretty quick. Um, but then over the last 24 months or so, I've really started to pivot again and uh, really started to focus on trying to go into more class B and class A markets. Um, and that's really the core of my strategy today because I, I really want to play in those markets that's where I think the long-term wealth is truly built is by buying in the areas that are, you know, I really think are indestructible really over the long term. So that's how we've kind of pivoted. And uh, yeah, since, and basically up to day, uh, you know, now we have about 30 million in assets and uh, growing every day. Great. It's pretty impressive. So in terms of the deals in the class A markets, are you talking about downtown CBD, Boston um, area and, you know, obviously you're looking at very high price points. Um, how do you make the numbers work, quite frankly? Um, and I guess, you know, you mentioned you have partners, whether they're, you know, active partners or passive partners, even, you know, on both sides, you have a return criteria. And it sounds like your pivot is more, as you said, more long-term um, rather than sort of three to five year uh, time horizon. So 
what type of return profile, risk profile are you targeting now? Um, and have you pivoted at all from your earlier days? Yeah, that's a good question. So, I mean, to be clear, we're not going in and buying like skyscrapers downtown. That's not quite where we're at yet. Uh, but we are buying in some of the most premier locations in Boston right now. Um, you know, we're buying within five, seven minutes of downtown. Um, I'm buying uh, inventory within half a mile of places like Harvard University and MIT and Cambridge, Somerville. Um, obviously, those are world famous cities. Um, so these are some of the, the most desirable neighborhoods in all of Boston, right? So, um, and, and generally the strategy is we're still doing a lot of value add, right? So it's not like we're buying brand new luxury construction. Uh, we're still buying typically um, inventory that needs work um, and, you know, doing the value add plan and, but we're just in the premier market. And then in terms of the latter, in, uh, the risk profile and uh, the returns profile, yeah, it, it is very different, right? Once, you, once you're going into these locations, it's a completely different financial output, if you will, um, between that versus what you would find in class C or lower class B markets. Um, obviously, cash flows tighten up, right? I mean, when you're starting to buy product at around four to six hundred thousand dollars per unit, and then you're sticking another fifty to hundred thousand dollars per unit as well in, in capex, um, you know, you're obviously your all-in cost basis is pretty high on a per unit on a per unit basis. Um, so yeah, cash flows certainly tighten up. Um, you know, we still make solid returns. I mean, most of our deals are probably penciling around five to 6% cash on cash, right? Nothing you're going to go brag to your friend about. Um, but the majority of the wealth really is built in a the value add, right? The force appreciation that we do. And then of course, the markets, right? I mean, like I said before, these are markets that I truly believe are all, as close to indestructible as you can get, right? Um, you know, the day that Harvard University and MIT pack their bags, maybe I'll take back my words. Um, but there's just a lot of old and established infrastructure in Boston that is just not going away, going away anywhere. Um, you know, and, and this is the kind of inventory that, you know, the way I think about it, this is the kind of inventory I want to sit on, um, when I'm getting older, right. This, this is the kind of assets I want in my portfolio when I'm thinking about retirement. So that's kind of the whole crux of the philosophy. Understood. Um, so as I said, they're more long-term wealth building, uh, time horizons as opposed to before where a little bit more uh, shorter term. So you definitely pivoted, which is smart, it, it, you know, to understand really what, what investment criteria do you want to focus on uh, long-term? Uh, that's great. So how do you, are, are you finding these deals from what I understand and some of even my personal experience looking in the Boston MSA, there's very, at least on the open market, seems to be very low deal flow. Um, obviously you mentioned you're a broker, so you have your broker's license and you help run a brokerage. So is that how you're sourcing your deals? Are they off market? How are those, how are you sourcing? Yeah. The, I mean, the majority of deal flow is certainly off market. Um, you know, we, we, I have bought deals off of MLS. They still happen and they still pop up every so often. Um, but you know, I've been, I've been in this, you know, I've been in this marketplace now almost five, six years and, Obviously, I've grown my contacts. I mean, I know a lot of brokers, uh, both residential and on the commercial side, uh, a lot of middlemen, right, that kind of help uh, broker deals as well. So, yeah, I mean, it's, it's really about, you know, we've, we've been established in this marketplace. Uh, we, we have all the contacts and deal flow has not really been a challenge. That's good. Um, so you have all the contacts and how many, so you went to, so you've been involved since 2017, is that correct? 
2015? Uh, 2016, I think, was when I bought that first warrant. So six, first uh, it is six years, yeah. Okay. So to put it in perspective, $30 million under management is how many units? So $30 million, uh, today, I think it was about 80 units or so. Wow. Okay. So yeah, it's a very expensive market. And yeah. does that correspond with the rents that you're charging as well? Are they $3,000 rents on average? What, what are your, you know, what's your average rent looking like? Yeah. I mean, it's, you know, when we go into these, um, you know, class A, class B locations, I mean, yeah, obviously we're paying up on a price per unit, but the rents certainly go up. Right. So on one of my deals, for example, from last year, I bought, uh, you know, I bought a building that about 450,000 a unit, um, put in about $50,000 in CapEx, but you know, your rents are mid threes per unit, right? So you're certainly, um, you are certainly getting quite a bit of rent bumps as compared to your typical 1500 to 2000 or whatever you might see across other parts of the country. Um, but again, on a, on a rent to price ratio, obviously that ratio is may not be as attractive, um, but we're certainly getting good steep bumps um, that still produce cash flow. Right. And I'm sure you're getting a pretty high income demographic being, you know, in the Boston Metro. And speaking of that, have you, I'm sure you've had experience with the landlord tenant court. Is that landlord friendly, tenant friendly? What's the situation there? Oh, yeah, uh, I can write a book on that. Um, yeah, it is. Uh, Massachusetts is not necessarily the best for a landlord tenant um, from a landlord's perspective, at least. Um, I've certainly had my battles here that have been interesting and um, to see. Um, but, you know, it's it's one of those things that is views cost of doing business. Right. I mean, if you go to most coastal established marketplaces, right, Boston, New York, D.C., um, you know, you're going to find typically it's not going to be super landlord friendly. Right. That's just the nature of those markets. Um, so it's, it's just the cost of, to me, it's really just the cost and pain of doing business and, uh, you know, in a premier market. Understood. That's awesome. So Lior, how can my audience find more about you, connect with you? What's the best way? Yeah. Uh, yeah. I'm uh, very active on uh, Instagram, LinkedIn. Um, so feel free uh, to look me up, post, um, you know, I'm posting content all the time. Um, I'll also send a link to my free ebook. Um, uh, I kind of wrote that um for a lot of uh, corporate professionals out there uh, you know kind of like i said before i was uh doing the management consulting gig for a year and a half before i stopped uh before i got into real estate um when i was really trying to figure out my wealth strategy so i kind of wrote that for that person in those shoes um that wants to figure out hey how do i build my wealth outside of my job or i have to put in 50 60 70 hours per week so um you know happy to connect on all of those social platforms awesome well it was a pleasure having you on the show today. And for the audience, if you liked what you heard and or saw today, please give us a rating and review on iTunes. That's how we get our message out to a greater audience. So we really appreciate that. And thanks again so much for coming on. Awesome. Thanks for having me. All right.